story with me Love who you want to be, who you are Learn these lessons and we'll go far It's story time Story time Story time with Mama G Hello everybody, welcome to Story Time with Mama G the podcast. I am Mama G. You are you. Isn't that delightful? Now, I have a very exciting episode for you today because I am talking to one of my writing heroes. That is the author Jean Willis. She has written so many books. You have definitely read one of them. And if you've seen me perform live in a library or a school or wherever, you will have certainly heard me read one of her books because I quite regularly read Frocodile, which is one of my absolute favourites. But before we start the interview, don't forget you can find me on Facebook, Instagram and YouTube. You just need to search for at Mama G Stories and you can let me know if there are other people you'd like me to talk to. Let me know if you've got any questions about Jean or about what we talked about or if you'd just like to say hello, that would be lovely. But for now, let's meet Jean Willis. I'm very excited because we are about to talk to the queen of children's literature herself, Jean Willis. Hello, how are you? I'm fine, thank you. How are you? Oh, I'm very good. I'm very excited that you're joining us. I'm excited too. Oh, isn't that good? Um, I'm excited because I'm a very big fan of yours. And in front of me, I have some of your books. Or upside down. I've got Frocodile with me, which is my absolute favourite. Slug needs a hug, which is a we all need a hug now. We don't all we? need a hug. It's never yes. a better book than Slug needs a hug. And Boa's bad birthday, right? Which makes me laugh lots and lots. And then another book I've read, but I I can't find it, is Tadpole's Promise. Oh, that's my favourite. That's your favourite, is it? Well, yes. I can't wait to talk to you about that because okay. I think it's absolutely wonderful. But my first question is: Yes, uh, how long have you been writing books for? Since I was about five. Since you were five. So have yeah. you always wanted to be a writer? No, I just was bored. And I think my parents were both teachers and they were they were quite strict. And most of the time they just said, oh, go off and amuse yourself. And there wasn't a great deal to do in those days. You know, we didn't have a television, um, didn't have any newspapers, didn't really have many toys. All our toys fitted in a little... Actually, it was a little drinks cabinet, all our toys. It was about that big. So we made up our own entertainment. And I used to amuse myself by writing stories. Well, that's wonderful. So can you remember what your first story or your first book was about? Yes, it was a piece of non-fiction. And it was called um, Cats Can Be Good Pets. And is that based on experience? Yes. And I, my dad used to um, run the stationery cupboard when he worked at school to get some extra money and he used to bring me home really nice cartridge paper and I used to go to my mum's sewing box and pinch all the needles and cotton and I used to make what I thought looked like proper books and sew them up down the middle 
and my nana kept them and I've still got them and when I go into schools I show the children because at that stage I think because I was five I was still writing in pencil I'm not doing joined up writing or anything mm. um so they look quite sweet really I think that's amazing and very industrious to actually yes. create the book yourself that's incredible you must I've be pleased loads of them. I've got a whole library of those little ones that I made oh really yes. and how long did you go on making those books yourselves oh ages and I used to get my sister involved as well one thing I used to do is in the olden days when you went to the library you used to have a ticket in the book didn't you mm. so because we were bored children we played libraries in my bedroom and my sister would come and choose some of the books I'd written and take them out and I'd put a little library ticket in the front and I always used to make sure she'd come back with it late so I could find her oh yes. but that's... later on later on when we became better friends she collaborated and did some of my illustrations there was a book called Bird's Nest Soup which was a collection of poems I'd written I think I was about nine and she illustrated those and also we did we made some comics which we uh, sort of wrote, they were based on a little African girl for some reason, I can't, oh, probably because my granddad was in Africa during the war and he influenced me. So mm. we made comics for about six of the neighbours' children, which we sort of copied out by hand each time and we made prizes and things like that. And Chrissy got involved with that as well. So I think that was the last collaboration we did. Oh my goodness, that's amazing. And that's really interesting because now as a grown-up, as a grown-up author, you have to collaborate with illustrators on your books as well. I do, you, but you I know, a lot, of a lot of people um, are quite surprised to find that there's not actually that much collaboration because, um, like for example, I work with Tony Ross a lot. Mm. And um, it's only like Oss a lot, didn't it? No, with Tony Ross <laughs> a lot. <laughs> I do like Oss a lot. And... Um, because I know what his sense of humour is like, I wouldn't dream of saying to him, right, I want you to draw this like this, or I want this to happen on page four. I just give it to him, like I do to most of my illustrators, and it comes back, and I'm as delighted as anybody, because I don't know what they're going to do. It must be so exciting to see your characters come to life and I be mean, given given a, a features and faces. I know. Well, I saw a new one from Tony the other day called um, Old MacDonald Had a Phone, and it's part of the series for Internet Safety. And I had no idea what he was going to do. And all the pictures were very funny. And then I, I got to a page where there was a pig milking a cow. And the expression on the cow's face is the funniest thing I've ever seen. And I nearly fell off my chair. It was just so, so lovely. <laughs> well, I'm glad you mentioned that book, actually, because just to swerve off my question route for the moment, yes. uh, I'm very lucky because Anderson Press have let me read a, a PDF of Old MacDonald Had a Phone. And it is really funny. Well, all, all of what you write is really funny, but Tony's illustrations are hilarious as well. Oh, they such, are, they are. Such a joyful book. And the good thing about it as well is that it made me think about how much I use my phone and other ways that I can communicate with people without using my phone. Yes. Is this your dream job then, what you're doing at the moment? Yes. Oh, yes. I never thought of doing anything else, really. Um, the only other thing I'd have done is um, something to do with natural history, I suppose, because... I, if you can't see from here, but my office is full of sort of terrariums, full of exotic beetles and things like that. I, I love insects. I think they're beautiful. And what, you're going to talk about tadpoles, promise, later. But one of the things I, that really excites me still is seeing caterpillars and things mm. turn from a little grub into something magnificent. Can't get over it. Just to my right, I've got four um, African jewel beetles who are all 
mating like crazy so I'm hoping to get some some babies <laughs> oh wow and how do you look after them oh it's not difficult you just really have to if you set up the tank in a beautiful way mm. as long as you keep them misted and at the okay. right temperature which you can do with a light bulb or a little sort of heat mat they're they're perfectly happy all you do is give them a banana <laughs> what more could you ask perfect what a life i know i'd like people just to hand me a banana every now and again that'd be lovely so in your office you're yes. also effectively a branch of london zoo yes i got oh. married there you know did you yes i did that's amazing in the the bug enclosure no, it wasn't. We went in there, but um, we were worried that a lot of people are a bit phobic about mm. butterflies and moths landing, and because they're all loose, decided again. We went to the elephant house, which was just a little bit too smelly. <laughs> <laughs> um, so in the end, we went into the aquarium. Oh. And we got married in front of the sharks. And Perfect. my cousin is a pianist, and he brought a little baby grand in, and he played all things bright and beautiful. It was very good. Great. Sounds uh, fantastic and camp. And oh, it was. funny mm -hmm. and it's it this is incredible a little insight into into your life and your mind I feel because your books are also quite outrageous and funny and <laughs> a little so. yeah. left field I think is the <laughs> term isn't it um oh I I love that you went into the elephant enclosure to have a look at getting married in there because that's actually quite an important piece of architecture I believe oh it is yes, yes. there's no well, elephants I, there now though no so. unfortunately and it, it's quite gloomy but it's I forget why it's important, but I remember that it is. And yes. that's the main thing. And I think the aquarium's quite important as well, isn't it? Oh, it was beautiful in there. Because obviously it was dark, apart from all the fish illuminated mm. in their tanks. So, oh, that's um, lovely. Oh, How nice. wonderful. So you've wanted to become an author probably since you were five. Yes. So how did you become a fully-fledged author? Um, sort of by accident, really, because... I was writing anyway and always do every day but just because I can't help it um but I think my mum and dad said yes but you do need a career darling mm. so I the only thing I could do was write that, sorry that was just one of escape one of my escape bugs I'm just <laughs> flapping it <laughs> well my crickets escaped once and they started breeding in my daughter's bedroom she still hasn't forgiven me um now where were we um I was oh how I became an author yes so I went into advertising I was a copywriter and I was working on products like beer and sugar puffs and things like that. I had to write the, the concepts, basically. And I worked with an art director, as everybody does. Uh, they come up with the visuals. And the art director I was working with um, was called Ian Dix. And um, his wife had just come out of art college and she didn't have anything to draw. And she wanted to be a children's illustrator. Mm. So he said, oh, could you just draw me, would you write me a story for Margaret? I said, oh, all right, then. And I sort of, when I was supposed to be working, I sort of knocked something out, really. And that was the tale of Georgie Grubb about a little boy who didn't want to have a bath. And he gave it to Margaret. And a couple of days before my 21st birthday, I got a phone call from Klaus Fluger at Anderson saying, love the book. And that was the first of 400 plus. Just kept going, really. 400 plus books. Yes. How many books do you work on at a time? Well, at the moment, there's about, I think there's about eight in production, various stages of production. At the moment, I'm sort of working on three or four. So you know. th three or four that are being written. Yes. And then there's eight extra ones that are... Busy, busy being sort of um, printed and, and illustrated and things like that. There might be more, actually. There might be another one by this afternoon. I don't know. 
They're tumbling out. There's nothing else to do. I, I can't even begin to imagine what it must be like in your head. You must have all these characters rolling around looking for the way out. Yes, yes. I think I've got more ideas than... I, I'm going to outlive them. No, no, they're going to outlive me. I, I'll never get to do them all, I don't think. Isn't that I, just, I don't know where they come from, you know. They just, just keep coming. Well, I was going to ask, how do you get your ideas? I don't they get me. That's the thing. That makes sense. Do you ever very have... often it happens when I'm I'm not thinking about anything. Um, really? I've got an allotment and often I go over there and I sort of grow all my own vegetables mm. and flowers. And I'd be pottering around and something, just a word will come into my head or I'll see something that makes me hoot with laughter. You know, so maybe somebody sort of standing on a rake or something like that. And I instantly think of a story and I let it sort of turn into a soup in my head. And sometimes it may take 30 years to ever appear. Other days it will be written by the afternoon. Rather depends. And what's when once you've had the idea and it's turned yeah. into a soup in your head? Yeah. How do you go about getting it onto the page? Um, lots of cups of tea, and then okay. I just come upstairs. And usually I sort of, you know, if somebody's doing a portrait, they just might start with a rough idea and then they keep scribbling bits in and rubbing it out. Mm. Well, that's what I do. Sometimes I, I've got a fully formed idea, like I had one of those the other day, so that didn't take long to do. Other times it has to evolve and I kind of almost step back from it mentally and, and just let it do its thing. And then okay. I just slap it into shape a bit. So in a sense, you sort of captain the team. You tell the characters where to go and what to do, but you don't really tell them how to do it. You find that, let them find They're out. They're better at it than I am. I just, <laughs> I just, I'm just a bystander. <laughs> And have you ever started an idea down on the paper and gone, oh, this isn't going to work? Yes. And the trouble was, the worst thing was that it was a very long novel. Oh. And I got to the middle and I thought, well, well now what? You know, oh, really? I didn't have a clue how I was going to finish it. And it was really making me feel quite ill. Oh, and no. I just I just thought, well, that, you know, it's going to go in the bin. But, you know, I just slept on it and slept on it and suddenly it came. And I just realised at the end of the book, needed to go at the front and then it all fell into place so quite often you don't I suppose you don't really have a specific way of working you sometimes say. I get orders like can you do me a story about um, a beetle with a big bottom or something like that and and I work to order and because of my training in advertising I really like that sometimes it's nice to have a really concrete brief mm -hmm. um, so yeah that's another way of working or Sometimes there's a new illustrator who doesn't do their own stories and an editor will send me a, a picture. That happens a lot and just say, can you come up with something for this? Does this character inspire anything? So that's another nice sort of diving board. Oh, amazing. So yeah. as well as having the ideas in your head, yeah. you have people contacting you with their own ideas for you to create. I yeah. feel like you've just got stories being thrown exactly, at you yeah. left right and center. It's a snowstorm. snowstorm oh my goodness well thank you so much for finding the time to talk to me because it sounds like you might need to go and start writing very soon <laughs> um so let's talk about tadpole's promise yes. then how oh, did yes. that come about now that came about many years ago when i think i was i think it was probably probably wrote that before i had my first book published okay. and i presented it to anderson press and Klaus, who I love dearly, he's a very quite a gruff German, and he's, oh no, we can't possibly publish this. It's a tragedy. It's a tragedy. So I stuffed it in my drawer. And after I got established as an author, I represented it because Tony Russell said, we've got to publish this. It's really, 
mm. you know, it needs to be out there. And I think Klaus had forgotten I'd ever showed it to him. He said, oh, this is great. This is fantastic. <laughs> and so off it went. Um, but I mean, I suppose the theme, the theme came because of my fascination with caterpillars and obviously tadpoles. I've, I've kept all sorts of amphibians as well. The metamorphosis thing is, is, is a magical, magical, a magical idea. And I just love the ending, really. You know, it was a shock ending. I've had teachers burst into tears, but the kids never do. They go, ha, 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 you know, that served the butterfly right. <laughs> it's quite strange or unexpected, I suppose, to have a, a children's book that ends... With a sudden death. Well, that's true. Well, also, I think you can see one of my Facebook lives if you're listening and you can see me read the book. So this will... Oh, I must, yes. It I must. will soften the blow for you. Now you know the ending. Uh, but do you think it's quite important for children's books to reflect the reality of nature and the natural world? Because Roald Dahl quite often didn't shy away from the world as it is. Well, look, the point is children don't shy away from it. And I think I was really overprotected when I was little. Mm. And I was only sort of finding out things about death and what have you by sort of crawling around in the grass and examining what was going on in the undergrowth and there was all sorts of murder and mayhem you know <laughs> there's I think I mean this is a sad thing to say but I'm going to say it anyway when I was nine I remember I was washing my doll's clothes in the sink and I heard a report on the news about a little girl who'd been killed and she's actually murdered and I was absolutely mortified because I didn't mm. think that was a possibility it never crossed my mind that an adult would hurt a child and I was quite shocked um, and I think that's when I actually sort of woke up to the horrors of the world. I, I'd been absolutely blissfully happy before that. So I think a gentle introduction is no bad thing. I know Tadpole's Promise isn't that gentle, but it's nature, isn't it? Absolutely. And the nice thing about Tadpole's Promise is the characters are really beautiful along the way. And it's not... They're very much in love. I mean... Oh, absolutely. And there's something... Not, it's not that upsetting, I don't think, but it, there's something beautifully tragic about the ending. Yes. Yes. which I, I think is very dramatic and and wonderful. It was sold to um, Greece as an adult tragedy rather than a picture book. Really? Yes. <laughs> very quickly, yes. you sprung a question into my mind. How many languages has your work been translated into? Do you know? I haven't counted, but it's quite a lot. And the, I think the one that went into the most different countries was Bog Baby for some reason. That seemed to be universally quite liked so yeah I suppose about I don't know everywhere they can possibly put them. Have you seen other language versions of your book? Yes and I have to trust them don't I because I can't understand the language <laughs> I just think well I hope, I hope they could have put any old nonsense <laughs> but one of, one of my nicest and most exciting experiences was I got um, an email from a girl in Papua New Guinea that read one of my novels and I couldn't believe it I didn't even know it had been sold to Papua New Guinea. Um, it's incredible. Yes, that was lovely. Wow, so you've been read around the globe. I know, I know. And this was another lovely thing that happened. I don't know if you ever, one of, one of my earliest books is called The Monster Bed. I don't know if you've come across that I'm one. I'm not sure that I have. Right, but it was about a monster who's afraid to go to bed because he thought there was a person underneath his bed. But recently I got a lovely email of a, of a girl who said she'd had trouble in her family and her mother and her had been reunited and to celebrate because her mum always used to read a monster bed, they'd both got matching tattoos of the character and they showed me pictures. 
Wow! I know. So the monster lives in flesh on these two lovely ladies. Oh my goodness! It's amazing, isn't it? Oh, you are very much changing people's lives and people's bodies by the sounds well, of it. So. Gosh, how exciting! Who knew that literature could have quite that reach? Yeah. That's amazing. Now, if you don't mind, Jean, I do have to ask you about my favourite of your works, which is Frocodile. Ah, oh, yes. Now. I've had quite the journey with Frocodile because I saw it in a bookshop in Exeter and I was in a rush and I registered the name and then, well, I did forget about it, if I'm honest. And then I was in a library in North Wales and it was on a display. And I thought that display has been made because I was meant to find this book. (laughs) Yes. So I read it. I built it. (laughs) Thank you. And I was, I'd said goodbye to everyone. And I was leaving and I stopped and I stood in the middle of the library and I read this book and I thought this time, I don't care if I'm going to be late for where I'm going, (laughs) I'm going to read it. And then I read the book and what I did after that was think, this is amazing, I have to get my own copy. And then I forgot the name. Oh. So then I had to do lots of research. I was looking for crocodiles that wear dresses and all sorts (laughs) of things were coming up on Google. And then eventually I found it. And now I think I can read it from memory. Really? But, but don't test me, but I do believe I can read it from memory and I do all the voices and I absolutely love do it. Let so, me hear them. I must hear that I must hear those voices. Give me well, give me Cliff's voice. Cliff's voice. I'm gonna I'm gonna cheat. I'm gonna use the uh, Go I'm on. gonna use the I'm gonna use the book. Let me I love the hyenas, they're my favorite. Oh, here we go. <laughs> go on. Then he sighed. How stylish. How fabulous this feels. And he did a twirl and he strutted in his sky-high scarlet heels. Very good. But my favourite, my favourite mm. are the hyenas because, because between the pages it takes that sharp turn. Everything's lovely. Then you turn the page and without any warning the hyenas are pouncing. They are. And Well, you know this, Jean. I don't know why I'm telling you. <laughs> and then, and I'd love this. Look at you. You're what? You're who? The mean hyenas laugh. Crock dressed in a frock, they mocked. Oh, you really do look daft. There we go. That was my hyena for you. Sorry. (laughs) Much better than I am, I tell you. (laughs) I just love this book so much. Thank you. And what I really love is the end, which I'm not going to give away like we've given away the end of Tadpole's Promise. No. But the parents always love the end, and some of them have a little cry. Do they? They do, because I think there's there's something about parental acceptance, which is I think a lot of parents, you know, who have small children now respond to because of, you know, probably things that have happened in their own childhood. When it's a dad that's accepting a child, it's very, for a lot of people, very emotional. To see that oh, represent. Oh, I'm glad. See, I don't. I don't really experience that. You maybe you do more than I do. See that. Well, and that's lovely to know. It, it's. I mean, I've read this book hundreds of times in front of audiences, and there's As always you. always gets a really lovely response. Oh, thanks. So, h- how did Frocodile happen? It sort of happened by accident. Again, I was going to a meeting. Um, I was called in by the publisher. Um, again, they'd got lovely illustrations that somebody had mm. done. And this guy had got an idea for a story about a crocodile and couldn't really crack it. And I kept saying, I don't know if I'm going to be able to do anything with this because he's got a certain vision, blah, blah, blah. Mm. And then I was just talking to the girl as I was leaving. And for some reason I said, oh, um, crocodile, I don't know what to do with a crocodile. I just went, oh, crocodile. And she went, yes, yes, crocodile. 
and it grew from there. And I said, well, it, the story's written. She said, yes, it is. <laughs> so off I went and there it was. So you started with the title first. That happens quite a lot. OK, because yeah. I have... I do think, Jean, that you, you've you got quite a funny sense of humour and your your writing is quite punny sometimes. Yes. So is, does it help to have the title and like Frocodile is a pun, for instance. So that yeah. was, that's only one direction you can go with that. There is, isn't there, really? Yes. But though it your... could have been a girl, could have been a girl, and it could have been the other way to say you didn't have to, you know, always be feminine. But in fact, it, as a crocodile, because of the kind of creature he was, he had to be a boy and he had to like dressing up in frocks I think yes Just because it. crocodiles are known for being so ferocious they are and so mean which is how you present the dad yes for a little while don't you want his jacket I thought it was lovely <laughs> uh, actually the jacket is amazing I wouldn't mind the cliff's dress to be honest well it's I think quite a stunning one isn't it it's beautiful and also I, I love Freddie Freddie the frog <laughs> Freddy. Uh, there's these wonderful clam shell and banana leaf frocks that they're wearing for the show and of course I love it because it's about the theatre as well and that's one yes. of my favourite yes. things. Well thank you so much for creating Frocodile my pleasure. because I mean that's kept me going for a, about a year and a half now. <laughs> uh, I just keep having to find new libraries and new bookshops to go to so I could not repeat myself but sometimes <laughs> I do repeat myself anyway. Now let me see before we go yes um, let me see if we've got any other questions Oh, uh, this is a question that I never have asked an author before, actually. But oh, I was just hello. looking. Oh, it's tense. <laughs> hey. I was just looking on your website. Oh, dear. Yes. Got, which is a fantastic website, actually. JeanWillis.com. Nice and yes. easy. And I got to thinking, what else does an author do? Because I spotted on your website that you don't just write books. That's not the only part of the job. So what else do you do? Well, I go into schools and I speak to children. I spend a lot of my time recently having to make my own videos, which aren't nearly as good as yours, I hate to add. My own, oh, you should have seen me the other day trying to do Old MacDonald had a phone. I can't sing and I pl can't play the guitar, but for some reason I thought I, I'd do both. And um, no film crew, no lighting. And honestly, um, they said it was all right, but I should hang my head in shame. <laughs> oh dear. So what else do I do? I don't really know. Mostly writing, mostly growing things and just tending beetles, I suppose. That sounds like a lovely life. It's a full life. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, when you've got so many beetles and terrariums to I look know. after, yes, that's, that's a lot of responsibility. It is. And I will say, just yeah. briefly about the video, Jean, that quite often when I'm telling stories, if mm. I write my own stories, I always write them with a performing aspect in mind. Yes. And quite often I'm like, oh, I'll be able to do a magic trick here. So I'll write the story, I'll have the magic trick in mind, and then I'll get to it and go, oh, I'm not a magician. <laughs> oh no, oh, I didn't think that through. And quite often I write to deadlines. If I've got a show coming up, I think, well, I've got to get this story done for then. So the day before the show, I'm like, oh, now how do I do this magic trick? Oh, what am I going to do? And quite often you, you find a way. I don't want any of my magician friends to see it, but you will find a way to do it. So I fully support you in thinking that playing the guitar and singing was the right thing to do. <laughs> so, and I can't wait to see the video. Well, I really hope you don't, but thank you. <laughs> <laughs> 
I will be eagle eyed. Well, thank you so much, Jean, for coming on to Storytime with Mama G. It's been lovely to share this podcast with you. Well, it's been great fun. Oh, thank you. And if uh, the listeners want to find out more about you, where do they need to go? They need to go to Jean Willis. No, they don't. They need to go to Jean at JeanWillis.com. Lovely. And if they want to buy your books, where would you recommend they got them from? Well, they could, there's a site now called The Bookshop online where you can go and it supports independent bookshops, which is marvellous. Of course, you can get everything off Amazon. But if you go to, to that site, you'll find all my books there and the bookshops benefit rather than huge corporations. Yes, absolutely. And I didn't know you were going to say this, Jean, but I'm an affiliate of Bookshop. So, oh, yeah. yes. So uh, some of your books are on my reading list. So if you click on my reading list, you'll find some of your books. And if you buy the books through that list then you support me as well. <laughs> so, and there's a happy relationship. <laughs> absolutely. Thank you, Jean, for spreading oh. the love in so many ways. Thank uh, you. Right. Everybody say goodbye to Jean. Bye, Jean. Bye. <laughs> Gosh, wasn't that amazing? Meeting Jean, even virtually, was very, very exciting. And she was so lovely to talk to. And that really explains why all of her books are so marvellous. And she obviously loves what she does. And that's just brilliant. Anyway, that's exciting. So don't forget, if you'd like to find out more about Jean, you can head to jeanwillis.com. And that's Jean with... Two N's and an E. G-A-N-N-E. I think I spelled that wrong. J-E-A-N-N-E. And Willis is W-I-L-L-I-S. I am usually much better at English, but I'm just so excited! Anyway, I'll calm down and we will do the book of the week. Now, I'm going to cheat slightly because I, I'm going to choose two books of the week. One is a book by Jean Willis and one is a book for LGBT History Month because here in the UK, February is a month where we reflect and educate about the LGBT history, which has helped us get to where we are and we can think about how our current times will become part of LGBT history and help those in the future. Now, the first book is one that we talked about during the interview, Slug Needs a Hug. And as Jean said in the interview right now, I think everybody could do with a hug, couldn't they? And Slug Needs a Hug, which is illustrated by Tony Ross and published by Anderson Press, is about Slug going on a quest to find a hug because what he really wants is he wants a hug from his mum and he's feeling a little bit sad that he can't get one so he goes on a journey and he meets lots of other creatures that can give hugs to their children and they say well perhaps 
If she doesn't want to hug you because you don't look like this. Or perhaps she doesn't want to hug you because you don't look like that person. So Slug goes to great lengths to change himself to become somebody that his mother might want to hug. But it turns out, of course, that his mum wants to hug Slug as well. But there are two obvious things missing that stop her being able to hug. I won't tell you what they are. It took me until the end of the book to realise what they might be, but I'm sure some of you are a lot quicker and a lot more intelligent than I am and have probably already worked it out. But Slug Needs a Hug is full of Jean's trademark wit. It's very funny. Tony's illustrations are great fun. And it's got a really serious message. And it's a message that I... I'm, I, I share quite often, which is that we can show love in a myriad of different ways. And we see love given to us in lots and lots of different ways. And sometimes, whilst we can't hug, as we can't hug at the moment, we're, we're seeing that love shown by staying at home, by keeping our two metres distance, by protecting our families and our friends in the best way that we can. And the way that we're showing love in that case is because so long as we're all safe, then soon we will be able to hug each other again. And isn't It's lovely, and I think this book will help you through those moments. And maybe some of you are having quite dark moments at the moment with the lack of human contact. I certainly do at times. And this book, Slug Needs a Hug, by Jean Willis and Tony Ross, published by Anderson Press, will, of course, help you through it. Now, my second book of the week is... I've forgotten which way around the title is. I'm just going to check live. This is very exciting. The It's called Alfred and Albert, and it is by Morag Hood. And it's published by Two Hoots. And I came across this book... Many years ago, actually, when I first started telling stories, it was a book that I think I might have wanted to share with everyone. And it's been on my mind ever since. And it's so beautiful and so gently told. And I think one of the reasons I didn't tell it is because I didn't think it would last long enough, really, in a story time performance. But it is a book that I highly recommend you all check out because Alfred and Albert are aardvarks. And everyone knows we all love aardvarks, but one of them sleeps during the day and one of them sleeps during the night. But when they're awake, they're both looking for companionship and someone to spend their times with. But obviously they keep missing each other and they're probably perfect for each other. But a bird spots that they might be ideal for each other and creates a series of schemes that will bring them together, that get dafter and sillier as the book goes along and then eventually Alfred and Albert end up finding each other. In a very unexpected way I might add it's such a gorgeous and gentle book with lovely illustrations that are also by Morag Hood and one of my favourite things about it is the title because you can't tell from the way I'm saying it but Aardvark is spelt with a double A and so Morag Hood has spelt Albert and Alfred with double A's and I think that's very funny. And that's a very good start if you like the title. And I'll be honest, I like the title of Slug Needs a Hug because I love things that rhyme. <sighs> so, those were my two book recommendations for this week. Slug Needs a Hug by Jean Willis and Tony Ross, published by Anderson Press. And Alfred and Albert by Morag Hood and published by Two 
Hoots. And I forgot to say, if you would like to purchase my books of the week, you can go to the bookshop.org link that is in the description of this podcast and find my podcast recommendations reading list. Uh, You will find them on there. Click the link to purchase and you will be supporting me. You'll be supporting the authors and the publishers as well. And you'll also be supporting your local independent bookstore, which is absolutely amazing because bookshops are so important. And I know that we all love spending time in them normally. Um, And it's sad, really, that they're all shut at the moment. So this is a great way of making sure that they do get some of your money and you still get some gorgeous books. Well, thank you so much for joining me for this episode of Storytime with Mama G. Uh, If you would like to keep up with my further adventures, then make sure you follow uh, Mama G Stories on Facebook, Instagram or YouTube. Uh, I'm on Glitterbeam Radio every 1pm UK time on a Sunday. The podcast, make sure you subscribe, leave a review. Reviews are very helpful wherever you are. And uh, comment on the, the posts. And on Sunday, the 7th, this Sunday coming, I am doing a virtual book launch on my Facebook page, which is going to be very exciting. So uh, dress to impress, bring some cake, bring some apple tizer in a champagne flute. It's going to be lovely. We're going to have a bit of a party and the book is very beautiful and I cannot wait to share it with you. It's going to be a very special evening. And then... 20th of February, don't forget, you can catch my live-streamed theatre show, Telling Tales on Telly, wherever you are in the world. It's on February the 20th at 2pm. It's being performed at the Stanley Arts, which is in London, but it is being beamed out via Zoom. Uh, I will also put the links to purchase tickets in the descriptions, and you can support a local British theatre that way as well because they will be getting a majority of the money from the ticket sales and I am very proud to be able to help. It's going to be an absolutely wonderful show full of new stories, outrageous costumes, silly songs and a guest appearance from the award-winning comedian Katie Pritchard. So lots of opportunity to have some fun and catch me telling stories. Thank you so much for joining me. I will see you next week. I think I'll be back with a new story, which is going to be fun. And I will see you very soon. Goodbye. It's story time with Mama G. Come and hear a story with me. Love who you want to be, who you are. Learn these lessons and we'll go far. It's story time. Story time. Story time with Mama G. Oh, 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 o